Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Becoming Limitless podcast. How has your week been? I hope it's been going great. Things over here have been moving full steam ahead. I am in the midst right now of putting the final touches on something that I'm going to be releasing in probably about a month from when you hear this. And it is going to be the go-to community for six and seven figure entrepreneurs who want to use biohacking to double their energy and their focus. And right now I am putting the finishing touches on what the community will look like, the backend programming, the flow it will take. I am so excited to bring this to life in just a month or so from now. I've been working really hard on it. You know when you just have a project that lights you up and you just, I can't stop. It's so much fun to create and I'm so excited to have you get your hands on it. So be watching for that. If we're not connected on Instagram, jump over there at Tanessa Shears or make sure you're on my email list. And if you're not, just go into the description of this podcast and any of those like opt-ins there, whether that be for the um, three biohacking secrets to optimize your sleep, like any of those in there are a good place to click to get on my email list so that you will be the first to know when all this goes live. And today we are talking about a, another thing that you can add to your performance toolkit. This is a second in a series. The last episode was all on how to exercise for energy as part of your performance toolkit. And today we're talking about fueling for focus, meaning how can we use food strategically so that we have consistent, stable energy throughout the day. And so our focus remains sharp and clear when we are showing up to our desk in our businesses. Like we've all had that experience where you go to write a post or write a newsletter or record a podcast or something like that in your business. When you go to, you know, show up and do the work and you feel foggy. So You've ever been on a beach and you've been running and you're running through sand and it kind of like you're moving, but it's ineffective and it's not very fast. That's what brain fog is for your thinking. It's like thinking through sand. It's not very effective. It's not very efficient. You're distracted. You don't have ideas that come easily to you. And goodness, if we experience that afternoon energy crash, that one that comes around 2 or 3 p.m. and you literally just say, I have no brain power after that. All I can do is answer emails and like go on Instagram and my brain just doesn't work if I only could get those couple of hours back. Well, you probably know from listening to this podcast that it's not just about one thing that you can tweak. It's about the collective things that help your brain work. It is high quality effective sleep. It's the food. It's moving. It's becoming stress resilient, right? These things all matter. And what we're talking about today is one of those pillars. And I'm going to give you a whole bunch of things that I want you to consider when we're talking about fueling for focus. Now, this is different than if you are fueling to lose weight or add muscle or you want to be doing a high amount of training volume, right? Because your goal is going to affect what you eat, right? So if you are out there and you're training for marathons or half marathons, you're going to want to make sure that you have the fuel you need. So you're definitely not going to want to be under eating. But if on the other hand, you're wanting to knock off a couple pounds, we're wanting to make sure that we are in a slight calorie deficit. Like we need to make sure that our eating habits affect our goals. And what I'm not talking about 
about today is how to eat for weight loss, how to eat for strength gains, how to eat for the gym. I'm talking about your brain. I'm talking about when you sit at your business, at your desk, how your brain is working in that moment if you have the energy to do the stuff you need to do. So that's what today's episode is all about. And there are three ways that you can fuel for focus. And what I want you to do is you're going to listen today and you're going to hear the three ideas and I want you to zone in on one of them, just one of those three. And I want you to make some improvements. Take one or two things I said, and I want you to apply it until you see results with it. Okay. And then you can come back and take another one. So this episode is going to be, you know, I love to talk about the science and the details and stuff like that. I'm going to try not to make it too wordy, but in it is what it is. I want you to take what you can out of it, apply it, come back for more. No more needs to be said. All right, so let's jump in. The first way you can fuel for focus is by keeping your blood sugar stable. You've heard me say this probably a dozen times. So when you eat, specifically if you overeat in protein or you have certain carbohydrates or too much carbohydrates, that fuel enters your digestive system and gets passed into your bloodstream and turns into glucose or blood sugar in your blood. Now, when you eat certain foods, it causes a higher fluctuation of that blood sugar. Now, when your blood sugar is fluctuating, meaning like you eat a whole bunch of carbohydrates or you eat a very large amount of them or really high processed carbohydrates, those are going to enter your bloodstream cause a huge increase in blood sugar. And with that comes inflammation, with that comes brain fog. And not only that, when that blood sugar is gets dropped off, what happens is your energy goes along with it. So if you ever feel like you're kind of on an energy roller coaster, or you feel like you get brain fog out of nowhere, or specifically you get really exhausted and tired after you eat a meal, then you might be on the blood sugar roller coaster, okay? So I'm gonna give you a very quick run through of what foods affect blood sugar the most and which affect them the least. So when you are eating healthy fats, and I'm talking about things like the fats that are found in nuts and seeds, if you're talking about avocado oil, the fat from meat, all of those kind of things, butter, those fats when consumed barely, if at all, affect your blood sugar. It's pretty much neutral. So when you eat those things, your blood sugar doesn't change very much. And this is a good thing, right? Blood sugar stable means energy stable. means your focus is on point, right? You're not having that brain fog. So then the next thing is protein. Now, in general, protein has a very mild response on blood sugar unless you overeat it. Your body can only do so much with the protein that you give it. And if you overconsume the protein, it will store it will convert it to glucose or blood sugar and then either store it as fat or use it as energy. So if you're overconsuming protein, it will affect your blood sugar, all right? So healthy fats is the least, then protein. Now we get into the whole macronutrient carbohydrate of a uh, category of carbohydrates. Now, carbohydrates are not bad. I wanna just clear this up. There is no such thing as good foods and bad foods. There is no such thing as good carbohydrates and bad carbohydrates. They are on a spectrum, all right? We're on one side of the spectrum. You have most optimal and the other side is least optimal. It's kind of like if you had them on a scale of one to 10, the options aren't just one and 10 good and bad. There can be a three, you can be a seven, you can be a five, right? There's different degrees to which these foods affect your blood sugar, right? So in the category of carbohydrates, vegetables, especially the leafy green kind, you know, tomatoes, zucchini, cucumbers, those kind, they affect your blood sugar the least. And in general, we can eat a ton of vegetables because they have that fiber content and they are high water, which means they are not going to be affecting your blood sugar as much. After that come grains and beans. Grains mean anything, including quinoa, rice, um, 
amaranth, millet. I would also in this category put like your sweet potatoes, your uh, turnips, your yams, your squash, and beans, whether that be black beans, chickpeas, kidney beans, all of these kind of things. They are going to have a moderate response on blood sugar. They do have the fiber. They have a teeny tiny bit of protein in them, but they are carbohydrates, right? So they're going to spike your blood sugar. After that, fruit. Fruit's getting a little, it really just depends on the type of fruit you eat. In general, you know, dark berries are going to be your best go-to because they have that ton of fiber in them. Ones that are going to usually affect most people's blood sugar the most are your bananas, your pineapples, your strawberries, your apples, right? Like those really satiating, sugary ones that we put in our smoothies to kind of hide the spinach taste, right? So fruit will affect it a bit more. Following that is flour. Now, flour and sugar are the last two, and we obviously know those are going to affect our blood sugar the most, not just because they are processed, but because they come in a powdered form. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about flour's original source, right? It was, what is it, a wheat berry. Now, if you ate that, your body has to break down the wheat berry, but now if you turn it into a powder it's gonna be absorbed a lot faster, right? And it increases the surface area. Remember back to Science 8 when you used to grind everything into a powder and then like notice the reaction time was faster? That's why flour and sugar are gonna tend to affect your blood sugar the most. So what does this mean? I'm gonna run through that really quick. So affecting your blood sugar the least, healthy fats, then protein, vegetables, grains, beans, and potatoes, fruit, flour, and then sugar. Now, why does this matter? If you want to keep your blood sugar stable and keep your brain focused, you're going to want to be choosing foods that fall on the healthy fat, protein, and vegetable spectrum a lot more often than the sugar, flour, and fruit. So if you're eating for lunch, like a lot of sandwiches, if you're eating a lot of pastas, things like that, you're going to have to expect to have that energy roller coaster and the blood sugar drop off after that meal, right? So what do we want to choose? Healthy fats. We want to choose protein. We want to choose vegetables as often as possible, keeping with that whole food. This is how we're going to keep our blood sugar stable. I'm going to give you five other tips right now to help you keep your blood sugar more stable um, and so that you're not getting that brain fog. Number one, don't consume coffee on an empty stomach, right? So what coffee does is it spikes up the stress hormone cortisol. And when cortisol is spiked, it actually causes blood sugar that is stored in like your liver to break down and raise your blood sugar level. So if you are finding that you're getting this massive energy crash in the morning, it might not be such a good idea to be consuming that coffee on an empty stomach. Maybe just wait until breakfast to get that first cup down. Number two, don't eat naked carbs. What's a naked carb? A naked carb is when you have a meal that is only carbohydrates. They're naked. They don't have any protein in that meal. They don't have any fat in that meal. Good example, plate of pasta. Good example, uh, a piece of bread. Another good example, fruit by itself. We want to be making sure that when we eat any of our meals that they are complemented by a fat and a protein so that you don't get such a wild blood sugar spike. So don't eat naked carbs, all right? Number three, keep your meals balanced. This kind of goes to what we were just talking about. If you're looking at your plate and all you can see on your plate is a carbohydrate, meaning it's just a salad, it is just a plate of pasta, it is just a vegetable pasta soup, it's naked carb for one, and it's not balanced. In general, we want to have at least one to two palm-sized portions of protein. I always recommend one for women and two for men at each meal. So palm size, meaning the size of your palm and the thickness of your palm, right? And then if you're adding in fats, this can be in the form of like avocado oil or coconut oil, or you can add nuts and seeds. All of these are great ways to add in fat. Why do we love fat and protein? Because they mitigate that big blood sugar spike that comes with the carbs, all right? So it's not the carbs are bad. We just have to make sure that everything is balanced. 
Number four, fix your breakfast. I did a post on this uh, on Instagram just a little bit ago, and it was talking about uh, breakfasts that I never eat anymore because of how they affect my blood sugar. And those breakfasts are ones that are what we call brain fog bombs because they are all carbohydrates. Like, think about this. You have toast with jam. You have cereal. You have oatmeal with fruit. You have, oh gosh, um, bagels. You have muffins. You have yogurt, par- fruit yogurt parfaits. All of these, for the most part, are 100% carbs and they are going to cause you to feel real hungry in a couple of hours. They're going to cause you to crash. So what you want to do, take a look at your breakfast right now and can you find a way to make sure there is a significant source of protein in your breakfast? So maybe instead of choosing that fruity, sugar-filled yogurt, plain Greek yogurt, high fat, great choice for most people, um, you can add in stuff like eggs, you can add in bacon, you can add in ham, you can do a hash. There are so many options on here. And the last and final one is stop snacking. One of the worst things you can do for your blood sugar is to eat between meals. In order for your blood sugar to fall and stay low, you need to allow it to drop. But if you're constantly eating, even if it's healthy food, if you're snacking on fruit or nuts or whatever it is, you are going to be keeping your blood sugar elevated and hence you're going to have those frequent crashes. You're always going to feel hungry. You're going to feel snacky all the time and you're likely going to have that brain fog because your blood sugar is elevated. So That was number one. We need to keep our blood sugar stable if we are fueling for the intention of having clear, focused thinking. This looks like having predominantly healthy fats, vegetables, and proteins at meals, leaving space between your meals. I always like to say four to five hours between meals on average and make sure that your meals are balanced and then have that cup of coffee with your first meal instead of on its own. All these great tips. All right, number two, if we're fueling for focus, We want to look at the type of fats we were eating when it comes to omega-3 and omega-6 fats. Now, these are types of fats that are complementary, but they also oppose each other. So so it's not that omega-3s are good and omega-6s are bad. It's the ratio of them. And if you get a lot of omega-6s in your diet relative to omega-3, it is that imbalance that is actually going to be creating a ton of brain fog. Now, omega-3 fats, omega-6 fats, you're like, what the heck are those? What do I find them in? I'm confused. I've got you covered. So omega-3 fats are abundant in a few natural whole food sources. Like you can find them in fatty fish. So think things like salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, herring. Those are what I call the smash fish, S-M-A-S-H, sardines, mackerel, anchovies, salmon, and herring, right? Those are abundant in omega-3 eggs, having grass-fed meat, wild fish, flax seeds, algae, walnuts, all of these have a ton of omega-3 in them. And your body, it can create omega-3 from plant sources, but the conversion rate is actually extremely low. And it's about less than, about 10% of it is only accessed from plant sources, which is far from enough. So we do need to include some of those other sources. Now, when it comes to me getting my omega-3s, I focus on eating small, dark, oily, wild fish because they have the highest omega-3 content. And because they are small little fish, they are low on the food chain. So they tend to be lowest in mercury, PCBs, other toxins, and like we talked about, smash fish. Canned is okay for these, but I always would choose wild. If you love this kind of like, uh, deep, deep dive into fat. I actually did an entire episode about it. It was called, um, 
are you eating this brain food? And it was episode 39 of the Becoming Limitless podcast. So definitely go and scroll back, have a look through their great episode. Now, if you know where omega-3s come from, um, the other thing actually I should say before we move on is you can also supplement with omega-3s, right? Um, that is an option. Obviously discuss it with your primary care physician or your doctor and make sure that that is something that works for you, but you can supplement it. Although I recommend at least getting a couple of servings every week, three to four from whole food sources. Now, Omega-3s, if those help our brain work and perform clearly and at our best, it helps us have efficient um, like communication between the brain cells. It is essentially, these omega-3 fats are creating the lining of our brain cells, right? So we want them to be there. Now, omega-6 fats, on the other hand, it's not that they're bad. It's just that we want the correct ratio. We want more omega-3s than omega-6s. But in our Western diets, for the most part, we are getting a lot more omega-6s than omega-3s, right? Omega-6s are found in nuts, seeds, grains, and beans, which these foods aren't the problem for the most part. It's the higher ratios of omega-6 and when they come from processed oils specifically. I'm talking about vegetable oil, canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower, soybean, corn oil. Like what I... Try this. If you go into your pantry or your fridge and you take out anything that comes in a jar or a container, I'm talking about like sauces, salad dressings, almost anything, and you flip it over, chances are you are going to see one of these processed oils on the label. It's usually soybean oil and salad dressings. Sometimes it's just like oat milk is a good example. It's like got a large amount of canola oil in it, which makes no sense to me. And these oils are really cheap to make. Now, I want you to think about this. Canola oil comes from corn, right? Is corn oily? No, corn is not oily. So how do you get oil out of corn? Well, you take cheap chemical solvents and extract it. And you're literally, it's like chemical solvents, like what you would use for cleaning your house, that level of chemical solvent. And that's what ends up being incorporated into your food and into your diet. And on top of that, these fats, when heated, they break down and do funky things. And then we incorporate these denatured funky fats into your brain cells. And we wonder why we feel foggy all the time, right? So what we want to look at, is we want to get um, our fats and our oils are things like avocado oil, uh, coconut oil. We want um, olive oil. Olive oil is better as a dressing, not so much cooked. And then we are wanting to make sure that we get a lot more of those omega-3s than the omega-6s we just talked about. So if you are wanting your brain to work effectively, efficiently, and communicate well between cells, which makes your thinking faster, which makes your focus better, we want to make sure that we are proactively seeking out sources of omega-3s at least three to four times a week. And again, fatty fish, seafood, eggs, grass-fed flax, uh, grass-fed meat, flax seeds, algae, and walnuts are great sources. So that is tip number two. The third tip when you are fueling for focus is to be on the lookout for foods that cause increased intestinal permeability. What's that fancy for? That's a fancy word for leaky gut. If you haven't heard of leaky gut, I'm going to give you the best analogy you've ever heard for this. All right, so I want you to picture a fine pair of pantyhose, all right? So that pair of pantyhose would do a pretty good job of filtering out most things from passing through, right? That is what your gut lining is supposed to be like. The little gap junctions between the cells of your small intestine and your big intestine are supposed to be nice and tight together. That way, what stays in the gut should stay in the gut and what gets into the blood should get into the blood. 
The problem is, is when we eat foods that we're going to say cause an assault on your digestive tract, and yes, I use the word assault, what happens is the gaps between those cells tend to widen. Now, I want you to picture that fine pair of pantyhose has now turned into a pair of fishnet stockings. That pair of fishnets is not going to be good at keeping um, bacteria and undigested food particles and fecal matter even out of your bloodstream, right? And so what happens is these foreign objects get into your bloodstream and your body's like, what the heck is this? This doesn't belong here. Immune system, take care of that. It sets off an immune system response, which leads to inflammation. Not only that, but your gut and your brain are directly connected by a nerve called the vagus nerve. So when there is inflammation and dysregulation in the gut, not only in the lining, but in the gut bacteria, it directly links up to your brain and can create brain fog. So you'll notice that all of these things that are happening with your food and in your gut are directly linked to how clear your brain works. Yes, sleep is important. Yes, stress resiliency is important. Yes, movement is important, but food is also important. And it is when you are firing on all cylinders in all of these areas that you truly do become limitless, right? So let's talk about some common culprits. What foods are most likely to cause leaky gut? And I say most likely because not everyone will have leaky gut, and not everyone will have the same foods that cause inflammation in the digestive tract, right? So common culprits are processed foods. These are things like your frozen pizzas, your cookies, your uh, flowers, those kind of things, right? Refined sugar can do it. Gluten, a lot of people are sensitive to gluten, not to the level that they have celiac disease, but to the level that it does cause some irritation. I read something fascinating about gluten. I read that if your body is having a reaction to one of these foods, particularly gluten, it can take your digestive tract up to two weeks to heal from one assault. Now think about this. If you are eating foods that are causing your body to react this way every couple days or even every week, you never allow your body the chance to heal, right? So it's important to really identify the foods that are causing distress and eliminating them, right? Another a good example some people are sensitive to dairy causes leaky gut alcohol soy fast and fried foods and inflammatory oils much like the ones we all just talked about those ones that um, are our omega-6 oils now here is a simplistic way of deciding if a food is working for you or against you now this is not conclusive but this is something you can do without getting poked by a needle or having a stool sample all right so what to watch for as far as symptoms within three hours after eating a meal. So you have your meal, you're on watch for any of these symptoms within the next three hours because this may indicate inflammation. Are you ready? I got a list for you. Joint pain, gas, bloat. And by bloat, I do not mean your stomach expanding and you are full because you had food. I mean bloat, distension, right? Diarrhea or constipation. If something changes, something probably affected your gut, right? If you get reflux or headaches or you get anxiety or really foggy thinking, runny nose is another really interesting one. If you get a stomach ache, I know this one should be really intuitive, but so much of us get stomach aches or we just feel unwell after eating and we're just like, that must be normal, right? Or we just go back to eating it. Super interesting. Um, if you get nauseous, if you get lethargic, like if you just feel like having a nap, like we've all had this after a big plate of pasta, you just want to have a nap, right? Lethargic, 
Quick onset of hunger. If you get hungry within three hours of eating, there is a problem with what you are eating. It's either affecting your blood sugar or it's affecting your digestive tract. It's definitely something to take a look at. You should easily be able to stay full for four to five hours. This is something I teach my clients. I teach them how to strategically modify their meals uh, so that they are satiated, so that they're not eating just in case they get hungry later or preventative. Preventative eating is a really interesting one that I watch for. It's like when you're like, I can't have food for the next three hours, so I'm going to eat now anyways, even though I'm not hungry, just in case I get hungry. If you ever find yourself doing that, that is a symptom or a sign of potential inflammation, right? Or blood sugar imbalance. Um, If you get energy crashes, if you get the jitters, and of course, if you just feel tired. These are all things I would watch for and be on the lookout that I would want to update. So I have given you three things for your fueling for focus performance toolkit. Number one, you want to keep that blood sugar stable. Two, have more omega-3 than omega-6. Add omega-3s, remove some omega-6 and be on the lookout for foods that increase that leaky gut. And I gave you that list of symptoms to watch for. So this should be a wonderful addition to your toolkit kit. And I hope it has been really helpful for you and that you will use it. If you are loving this performance toolkit and you have a ton of ideas on how you can double your energy and focus with these biohacks, with these protocols that I'm sharing with you, come over on Instagram. I'm at Tanessa Shears and shoot me a DM. Let me know what you're working on and even let me know what you're struggling with. And I would love to be able to just have this conversation back and forth. I'll toss you some ideas to try. And if you are wanting to take this to the next level and really optimize the way your brain and body works so you show up like a CEO in your business that takes care of their brain, their health, and their longevity, and just wants to feel fully alive, I would invite you to send me a DM with the words becoming limitless. So what I'll do is I'll ask you a couple questions. Hey, what's going on? What have you tried? What's not been working? And if I feel like my program is a good fit for you, I'll offer to jump on a call where me and you can just dive into what's going on. And if it's a good fit, I'll offer to work with you inside of my Becoming Limitless program. So take that next step and DM me if you are ready to start optimizing your body and your brain. Otherwise, have a beautiful week and I will talk to you next time. Bye. Learn something new in this episode or feel inspired to take action? I'd love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review. Your review will help one more entrepreneur feel healthier, more energized, and focused. If you feel good about helping a friend or a fellow business owner you've never even met, you are my kind of people. I'm excited to help you become limitless in the coming episodes.